How you doing? I'm Gabby. Welcome to another episode of the Happier Life Project, brought to you by free mental health and wellness app, My Possible Self, in partnership with the Priory Healthcare. Between the 12th and the 18th of June this year, the world acknowledges Men's Health Week. This annual event is organised by the Men's Health Forum and aims to raise awareness of preventable health problems that disproportionately affect men. Then on Sunday the 18th of June, we of course celebrate Father's Day, a day to honour all dads. And then the following day, Monday the 19th of June, it's International Father's Mental Health Day, a day made to support fathers who may be struggling with mental health issues, which was co-created by today's guest, paternal postpartum depression survivor, Mark Williams, who knows all too well how much dads can struggle. Mark is a mental health speaker, author, and international campaigner, passionately advocating for better treatment for parental mental health. Mum and dad, dad and dad, mum and mum, if you're raising a child, you and your health matter. Mark also founded the hashtag How Are You Dad campaign to make sure all parents are having support for the whole family. But for now, with the spotlight being on men and their mental health, today we are zooming in on fathers and their mental well-being to acknowledge, raise awareness and learn about the areas they might be struggling in silence with and how we might help. How does postnatal depression in fathers manifest? Why does it manifest? Have you stopped to think about the impact of birth trauma for the dad who had to witness their loved one going through something so traumatic they might have lost their partner and their child. Fathers can develop perinatal mental health problems either as a result of the spouse or partner's illness or independently. But all too often we can get so wrapped up in the baby and the mother without remembering to ask one simple question. How are you, Dad? So let's help tip the scale more evenly. Ready to support a healthier, happier dad? Let's get started. Hello, Mark Williams. Welcome to the Happier Life Project. Hey, Abby. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. I'm glad you've got such a big smile on your face today. Oh, <laughs> it's I making know. me <laughs> smile. Right, okay. Well, why are we talking to you today? Well, it's, it's um, I suppose, when the spotlight is really on men and fathers. We've got Men's Mental Health Week, which is between the 12th and the 18th of June. So this podcast will be live, you know, right in the middle of that. Then we've got Father's Day of course on Sunday the 18th of June and then the following day marks International Father's Mental Health Day and you co-founded this day would I be right in saying yeah that's right Dan well the idea came for myself in 2016 so I thought about obviously UK and then I got a friend out in uh, California Dr Daniel Singley who does a lot of work with fathers and we joined forces then in the following year to make it a proper international day to get um so we got uh, doctors in Australia, uh, obviously America, uh, Ireland, uh, Europe now coming on, and also Africa as well. So it's, it's 
to wow. global day we wanted to make it as well. As yeah, well. with the, gosh, culturally the perspectives must be vastly different. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as you know, my father's uh, in in the UK. Uh, the pressures are totally different than a couple of generations ago, you know. So uh, there's mostly mums mm-hmm. uh, are breadwinner now. In, in some families, uh, uh, thankfully they're in parliament now as well. So um, my my work is all about getting a holistic approach. Really, when you support all parents for their mental health, it actually has far better outcomes for the whole family and a child's development. So yeah. I'm known for fathers, but people know aware that I'm I'm actually an ambassador for two mothers charities, Mothers Matter, Mothers, mothers for Mothers, and a campaign for the Mother Baby Unit in Wales, which we opened seven years ago. So you know my work is obviously of course I'm, I'm a father, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm actually all the parents really. All parents should deserve that same sort of support. Mm. And I knew this had happened. I'm already pivoting from my notes, but just what you were saying about different men's perspectives from all over the world. It's making me wonder if there's a, a common denominator and that's that fathers don't talk enough about their struggles. Am I right in assuming that? Um, in fact, you be surprised um, the groups we run, you can't stop the fathers from talking. I think, <laughs> uh, honestly, even when we did on two days ago online and I had 10 dads and the key is once you get one dad open up, the other dad will follow up uh, the, and you put them in a safe place and uh, mm. gosh the fathers will talk all day but i think we just got to give them that space and they do talk men do talk um it's a big myth but um i think is barriers why they don't talk because they're worried about their partners they're worried about their partners uh, mental health get affected uh also the workplace if mm. uh this disclose they get a problem with their mental health you know it's gonna maybe affect their careers so it's just really normalizing the conversation say and, and breaking down the myths then because uh, mm. certainly for me as a father, you know, I suffered in silence for years and I, I was working in mental health then as well. And that was some of the key factors that stopped me from getting help until I had a breakdown where I had no choice then. I definitely did want to go back to that sort of catalyst for you, you know, really diving deep into this work. But I guess I missed when I was doing my research that you were already working in mental health. Yeah, well, I would come about after, after you know, what happened, obviously, Michelle and myself. I wasn't the same person going into sales and marketing. I couldn't take the pressures anymore. Uh, so I decided to go back to a youth club uh, where I still sort of volunteering, not as much as I used to. My, my mother's behind the counter. My wife's right. uh, actually there tonight, uh, running the club. So basically what happened, I went back to, to get up the, the, that career. And then unfortunately there was a lot of young suicides in Magen, media storm, going back a couple of years ago, it, where the public... Um, well, our community was actually were, were treated really badly by the press, uh, misinformation, mm-hmm. and um, and then we were put on mental health courses and suicide assist courses. And like I did in in sales, I, I've always had this positive psychology. I love psychology for my sales background, but now I was really interested in mental health. I started working different projects, for instance, like people with learning difficulties, uh, uh, support living, that sort of area. And then I went into forensic, um, on the forensic wards and securing it then. And uh, mm. it was at that time, actually, um, around that time I had a breakdown. Oh, goodness me. I um, have to share that it was actually a family member of mine 
that spoke to me and met male and he opened up and he doesn't do very often but he was saying that he listened to the podcast and that actually gave him the kind of um motivate inspiration maybe he was like hey have you thought about doing an episode on and his was and I'd never even thought about it from the perspective of a, the trauma that a father goes through. It was the birth of his first child. He works in the force. He works on crime scenes. He's seen a lot in his time. And But for him, seeing his partner in that much distress, yeah, I kind of sat on it for a while. And then we found you and it was in Father's Day's coming up. And I guess I'm bringing this up now because it's similar-ish to what happened with you right in terms of the catalyst for your real struggles in this area yeah definitely uh it starts in childhood obviously i I got wonderful family and uh you know friends and stuff but uh unfortunately school school wasn't for me you know in the 70s 80s i mean i'm 50 next uh you know you'd have a clip across a year and uh be talked to in a certain way which you know my parents never talked to me but it wasn't until I was 40 after the break that I was actually diagnosed with ADHD. And the ADHD neurodiversity is very, um, uh, it can be a high risk, uh, obviously, as you know, high risk of suicide as well, because the impulsive is, impulsivity and the other factors that comes with it. So, you know, I've already, I already had something undiagnosed, uh, like an invisible enemy, which I've managed all my mm-hmm. life. And, um, you know, it's, luckily for me, you know, the youth club helped me and went to sport and I became a British champion. So I questioned authority, and I know you got ODD, which is, um, you know, anti-authoritative and stuff, but the way I look at it is if, you know, I'm not always right, but if I think I'm right, I'll, I'll say I'm right now, you know, uh, and put my head above the parrot pit. And um, so when I say that is um, when you've got a teacher saying you're not good enough, you never do anything in your life, and they never get a job, and I had a window cleaning job, and uh, a window uh, paper round job, and I just become a British champion. Uh, you know, I start questioning authority then, you know, so at 15, you know. But unfortunately, you know, at 15, six, well, 16 then, the Ibiza scene started kicking in rave scene. And for six years, I went down a different path, you know, drugs, alcohol. And um, it's been a coping skill all my life, alcohol had been, you know. Um, and it goes down for my own father, you know, if we had a problem, you know, let's go to the pub, let's go have a pint, you know. My father's mm-hmm. a miner, my grandfather's a miner's uncles, and, you know, I'm the first generation not actually to go underground. So it was a very much... Um, I say a tough community we got, you know, um, a really great community, but it's very much, you know, get on with it. Come on, it's my, you know, look up the hard men, mm-hmm. all, all that stuff, which has changed massively, you know. Mm, I wonder where that even came from, you know, that men don't talk about things like that. Yeah. I don't yeah. wonder where it stemmed <laughs> from, because it's just sort of always been there, hasn't it, until kind of recently where people like yourselves are breaking through and giving guys this kind of safe space, I think, to talk and doesn't make you any less manly, air quote, or whatever. In fact, I think a lot of females now would say it makes you more manly because you feel strong and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay, so I got this from stats on on your website. One in three fathers worry about their own mental health and one in ten fathers suffer from postnatal depression. So what do you think some of the big causes are here? What's going on? Well, when you look at that research, the NCT did the research uh, or study it in uh, 2015. And uh, as, as, as I was part of it, you know, I remember going on Good Morning Britain and um, I'm a wife, you know, and uh, the stigma back then, obviously, uh, it was a lot worse than I first started, gosh. But um, it's really, when you look at it, you know, one in 10, 
Now that's been one in ten for years. Uh, it was one in ten for years for mums for years before. Only recent times, the last ten years, is anything for one in three, one in four. But when we start screening and assessing dads, and also asking dads about their mental health, because the study we just did only uh, last year, me and a good friend Scott Mayer, that eighty percent of fathers wasn't asked about their mental health at one time. Only the group I ran on two days ago, uh, only one father of the whole group was asked. You know, this is 2023. And nice guidelines, uh, CG192, nice guidelines, excellent pathway care. They haven't got nothing on fathers. And so when you look at um, the biggest killer men under 45 being suicide, and the research I found that mm. it's actually one of the highest risk of suicide is being a father, up to 47 times more risk. Especially if wow. you've got, you know, uh, ADHD, bipolar, and then you become a dad. It's only about 5% higher than uh, average. And yet we're not engaging with that. So a lot of fathers will, or men will die by suicide in the postnatal period or, like myself, end up in services afterwards because mm -hmm. they hit crisis point at various different times in their lives as well. Goodness. And like you, I would imagine... A lot of men struggle in silence and suffer in silence because, again, we're talking more traditionally, it's the focus is on mother, mother's carrying the baby, and then when the baby's born, everybody's cooing over the baby, and the dad can sometimes be left a bit sort of sidelined. Yeah, absolutely. Well, November, it just did a couple of things on fathers, you know. One in five British fathers lost close connections with their best friends, Um you know, loneliness, isolation, you know, it's there's other factors uh, that comes into it. But also, when it comes to post-depression, it's just trying to get people's heads around it. It's depression in the postnatal period. So mm. I give an example or the perinatal period, which is the antenatal period. So you can actually have antenatal anxiety and depression, and that can lead into a postnatal depression, of course. And so when you look at all, this, all, uh, all the signs and symptoms of mums of post-depression, guilt, not good enough, bonding, uh, with a mm. baby, uh, thoughts of suicide, guilt, not good enough. There's not one, actually, fathers can't experience. So when people say, oh, it, when I first started, it's, it's hormonal. Okay, um, well, actually, there's biological risk factors when it comes to fathers. Testosterone actually lowers, estrogen and, and cortisol levels, and actually oxytocin. And when oxytocin releases, obviously, and um, there's more motion, that's the time we have to encourage that skin-to-skin because mm. that will actually help dad and the baby with the brain development, which is so important in that um, thousand one critical days, which is conception to the first two years. Wow. There was four podcast episodes that you released. Was it about a year ago for, under the name How Are You, Dad? That's it. Yeah. yeah. I, le I learned so much. I really did. The recent research actually as well is that um, it's just come out of Canada now, actually, and... Uh, it says one in four, well, 23% of fathers actually suffer from antenatal anxiety and depression, postnatal. So, you know, 23%. So, you know, when, wow. you know, when men do start talking and we start screening, or at least ask father, how are you, dad? Um, mm. You know, it's going to be, well, I know it's on par with mums at least. It does take longer for the, the bonding actually with the father as well. A lot of men will mask those emotions as well in the labour ward and all sorts of things. Or oh, I had a wonderful experience, all this love. But when I ask them months later, they say, Mark, you know, no, society tells us they have to say that, you know. Um, yeah. Guilt. They feel guilt. Um, but explain it, it will come. It will come. Mm. It does come. If obviously the more interaction and uh, you have with the dad uh, and baby. Yeah.
It was because of you and Dr. Andy Mayers that the NHS are screening and supporting new dads with their mental health now, and that hadn't happened before. So that's a that's a huge change, right? And again, this is like from about a year ago when I was listening. So it hasn't been since yeah, then. Yeah, it's a great start. I'll be honest, so 2018-19, we had a phone call. Obviously, we had to keep quiet for five days, and uh, which is hard. But when we looked mm-hmm. at it, uh, fathers will only be screened, assessed and supported if mum is in special services. So if in many cases, it's, again, I speak to more mums and dads sometimes, you know, and, and many times mum is fine or being supported. Uh, dad is out struggling and uh, mm-hmm. or the mum is in third sector, you know, not in special uh, services. And so that means the father, the dad won't get that support or screen assessment. So it's only if mums are in special services that NHS England will actually screen assess uh, dad, which is a great start. Right. But we we'll, we still have a long way, Gabby. You know, we've got to support and screen every dad and every parent, same gender parents, everyone. Yeah. So for anybody that is listening right now who is a dad, can you request to be screened if you are struggling? Like if mum is okay, like you said, and it doesn't necessarily you know tick the initial boxes i always encourage the father if, if he can speak to health visitor uh, and midwife the only problem like you said i think the, the co- confidence in health visitors you know i train health visitors midwives mostly uh you know my audience is 99 percent women you know and mm-hmm. in conferences mm-hmm. um, you can imagine so the thing what we found is that um you know if the, the confidence of asking dad in the first place is, there's always this myth that their father's always in work, you know, there's always ways to get the dad, you know, you've got emails, you've got various communication. But also, I feel that once we've got proper services in place and proper pathways, then if the father does disclose something, then we've got a, a pathway for that support in place where, you know, mm. health is and midwives are so overstretched at the moment. Mm. We need more health is and midwives, you know, it's absolutely, you know, criminal on them actually, because a lot of them are suffering from compassion fatigue because they're so burnt out as well, you know. So it, it is a big other factors, but I, I feel that, um, you know, the father can actually go to the GP. What you'll find with GPs, as we know, you know, they are general practitioners, but, you know, it's the Edinburgh Postnate Pressure Scale you can do. and uh, It's a screening tool. And if he feels that these can't bond or he, there's, you know, feel guilt as a father, you know, I always say, look, make sure you speak to somebody in specialist perinatal mental health teams so the gp mm. can obviously have a look at that uh, because as you know gps will never know everything especially about mental health yeah and you know what sometimes for me it's more scary speaking to the receptionist trying to make an appointment because they are the gatekeepers aren't they and it's like this is just my experience i almost feel and sometimes i think i'm you know maybe too easily triggered but i'm almost like getting ready for a fight with the receptionist if i need to see my gp because i'm thinking they're going to do everything to try and fog me off <laughs> yeah I, i'm pretty lucky gabby we're from a community where yeah we know the you know we our community is like yeah they say oh mark yeah. okay yeah i'll sort of know if you're, Come you on know, down. I, feel, I feel lucky like you know that sense but uh nice, but, um, yeah. but going back to your question as well is what you mentioned about post depression is a big crossover uh, like your friend, you know, just mentioned PTSD. So, um, you know, we know that PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder, but it's actually an anxiety disorder, the witnessing or experiencing mm. a life-threatening event. And, and like your friend, you know, um, you know, I worked in circuit units. Uh, I, w- I witnessed horrific things in my life, uh, in my workplace. Nothing worse thinking your wife and baby is going to die in front of you. Uh, for mm. me and, and a lot mm. of fathers, I speak, the feeling of helplessness and 
you can't process what just went on us a lot of people have birth trauma but without that support it can lead to pdsd yeah you touched upon you know there's more like equal rights for women and women working and all this stuff but then we've got alpha mums now haven't we and is this hard for men sometimes they might feel a little bit like um because the mother carried the baby in terms of the decision making and in terms of i think sometimes mums might just there's this just do it at you know i'll just do it i'll just take care of everything kind of thing and not to the help as well of the mother's own health but i think sometimes mums just take it on and i i guess I'm using the word alpha mum because I can think of a few in my friendship group who were great mums. But I sometimes think, how much is dad doing? And then knowing that I was going to speak to you, it's making me wonder, maybe dad wants to do more, but maybe doesn't feel oh, like yeah. they might be overstepping. It's a good question, Alice. And we've seen in COVID, you know, COVID's changed a lot of fathers. You know, they've, they've been there more, you know, obviously mm. what happened. Uh, unfortunately, there has been issues with scans and able dads and able scans left in car parks for days, uh, waiting for the birth, and just in case they missed it. So there has been a lot of uh, struggles that I didn't go as a new dad. And but we got to educate mums about the science behind the bond and attachment that um, that secure attachment with all parents as a father outcome. Mm. So you know all the research on fathers has always been about absent fathers and different things over the years okay why is the father absent you know what's the reason behind the behavior and especially around postnatal depression when you look at um paternal ocd i'll give an example dad's getting intrusive thoughts like mums dads will uh want to check a baby dad will do everything a mum's experience when it comes to perinatal mental health of course the thoughts and feelings dads can experience but if we don't engage dad i give it it comes up only a lot actually um and attention, my mum may say, oh, give me the baby, are you too slow? Okay, mm. dad will go mm. off on loft downstairs. And I always say to my, it doesn't matter, it takes five, ten minutes. What happens when dads engage with that baby? Obviously, that again is that, uh, that bond and attachment as well. It helps that being in tune with the baby, singing with the baby. But actually, it helps dad's mental health because it gives a massive shift of dopamine and endorphins because now he's getting something out of that experience as well. And oh, wow. so... So, and there's some research that says, actually, uh, in Cambridge University, the fathers with severe post-depression, there was links between depression and teenage daughters as well. So if you've got a dad who's depressed, he's less likely to sing, read, dance and play, and he's less likely for, to follow good uh, health guidelines, like keeping the baby safe, because his mind's racing and constantly as well. So there's a range of reasons why. And then the relationship breaks down because dad's got intrusive thoughts or he's told that he's not good enough as a dad well you know it and his personality change mm -hmm. and these are signs to look out for personality change avoiding situations drinking more feelings of anger well we know about postpartum rage with mums of course because dads have our rage as well especially i did and you know <laughs> i'm so laid back i remember punching a sofa past my hand four months in my wife was severely unwell where she was in crisis teams she was only mum on the ward you know, mums were uh, people with bipolar, schizophrenia. Um, you know, well, I had to give up work, look after my wife. I was self-employed, no money coming in, mortgage to pay. I didn't get as well feeling that I was expecting because I was just more concerned about my wife and, of course, the baby. And then, obviously, you got the other things as a father, you know, trying to man up and be the breadwinner. Well, I couldn't be the breadwinner because I couldn't even get out the house uh, because... I had to support my wife, who should have had a mother baby unit, you know. So there was a range of reasons and, uh, why I was depressed in that post period. And we don't even talk about the lack of sleep. 
that comes with mm. that as well, where, mm. you know, severe lack of sleep can cause psychosis, can't it? Severe lack of sleep. You know, so it's, it's a range. And, but what we what I found over the years, you know, I speak, gosh, I can't remember. I spoke with thousands of dads in different countries as well. One of the themes that comes up a lot is, unfortunately, the relationship sadly ends. And then what you'll yeah. find, and this goes for mothers, because I've worked with a mother who was really unwell, and the father was trying to get custody and did get custody. But what you'll find, because the dad presents unwell, and then it interlinks with family law and can't see the child and there's parental alienation and all sorts of things going on. Mm. So the, it does manifest in loads of different areas where if we had an early prevention in the antenatal period and obviously the postnatal period, mm. the cost, the economic cost, but most importantly, the cost uh, and bad outcomes when you look at Scandinavia countries, how they got it right. <laughs> you know, I just come back from Denmark and, and Sweden, absolutely incredible what they do out there, you know. So shared mm-hmm. parental leave, you know, 90% of Finland take up shared parental leave. You know, they know about the outcomes, the best for that child's development. There's an old sort of say, I don't know if it's a saying or maybe like a concept about this notion that once you become a father, you become a real man, or you know, you become a man. Have you heard you heard that one? I, I remember yeah. like Yeah, yeah. Oh. One of my brothers was a bit of a tear away and I remember when, you know, his partner fell pregnant and my mum being like, Oh, this is gonna change him and actually it didn't. Not really. Yeah, I'm just sort of curious if you've come across this or spoken to a, a you know, any dads that I don't know, like it's like a fairy godmother's going to come and wave a wand once the kid is born and then you're suddenly a man and you weren't before. It's these kind of old wives' tales, though, that can do more harm than good, isn't it? Yeah, it's generation. It's, it's you know, if I listen to my grandmother, I, I we, uh give my son baby sham to go sleep, like, you know, so that's what she used to do to me, like, you know, I'll put them <laughs> in the bottom of the garden and stuff, you know. So, okay. you know, we have moved a long way from that, but... Yeah. Uh, Still, and I think, um, you know, it's a good time now. Baby shower. Yeah, baby shower. You probably remember baby shower. <laughs> and uh, so, so, yeah. So we've come a long way, thankfully. But I think what we're trying to get the message, and certainly now for our next generation, when my son is become, may become a father, is talking about it. And that's something my wife works in mental health matters, Wales. And she's been there 12 years. I've been working in mental health. And that's something that I didn't do with my dad until he has the courses, mm-hmm. actually after water infection and, and lack of calcium and high fever. And he understood him more about anyone could struggle with him uh, or have psychosis as well. So mm-hmm. it's something that uh, we've talked about recently uh, in the last couple of years, me and my father. And certainly my my son was probably more educated at 15 than I was at 30 years of age uh, around mental health, you know. So, you know, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, so we are coming a long way, thankfully to all the other people who are raising awareness. But certainly when I first started in, 2010, 11, I remember going on TV and radio stations and, oh, how, how can men get posted? If a man up, get on with it. You're taking the attention mm-hmm. away from mum. My work has never been able to take the attention away from mum. I'm saying if you don't look after dad as well, you know, dad can support mum better if he's well and also he can impact on mum's mental health. And obviously, yeah. you know, it interlinks with adverse childhood experiences as well over the years with fathers, you know, um, and when it comes to, uh, I'm all about quality. And as it, as we mentioned, I don't, I, I don't see. I, it's funny. I, it's something I've been thinking about lately. I, I've never seen it as a look at quality and stuff. Like that. I look at it as a person. I don't care who that person is. I just look at the person, how kind he is, or what that person brings. I've never seen the person's color or gender or anything. I never have. I struggle with that to think. Well, I just see the person I'm seeing. Like, 
And that's the thing, mm. when I look at that with parents, I see the person as a parent and that parent needs support. So doing a project with two gay dads now, and you can imagine the stigma around um, around the LGBT plus Q community as well, you know. Mm. So, you know, so it's all about parents. It's all about the person. Uh, that's what I look at, you know, so. I'm glad you raised the, the point as well about, you know, when it's two dads, because I would imagine that maybe... Some of the struggles are similar, um, but then some might be different because they've got an extra battle to face in, unfortunately, to society and, you know, again, culturally and, and that kind of thing. And healthcare and, yeah. Yeah, what I've been hearing of Michael and stuff like that is, yeah, absolutely horrendous, to be honest. But it's going to, you know, that's something we want to improve. But certainly when it comes to fathers as well, you know, when I first started, gosh, we weren't talking about mental health like we are now. I think the last six years... I'd say we really come on, you know, we it's building and building. But certainly when uh, when I first had the booster we used to have and, and stuff like mm. that, you know, suicide, it's, the research tells us it's, it is high risk, you know. Um, yeah. Up to, up to 50% of dads can get depressed looking after their partners with post-depression. So my argument has always been, okay, if it's only the dad who's struggling, we're up to 50% and mums are going to get affected. Because when I was unwell and I had my breakdown, and I was physically fit, uh, Gabby, at the time, I was doing a lot of kickboxing just when it's tournament. It was impacting my physical health and everything. And that's something we got to look out for as well. Uh, my wife's depression came back. And now she was so unwell looking after me because I lost my grandfather and she cared for my grandfather's dementia and stuff. And my mother had cancer at the time. We're in six weeks each other and she's fine now. Everything I dealt with in my life hit the head. So it actually impacted on, on my wife's mental health looking after me. And that's vice versa what I see with mums and dads, like, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you think sometimes partners expect the other one to be a mind reader as well? They might ask for something, but they really want something else and they expect the partner to know that. Yeah, communication is a huge thing. We only teach that um, during COVID. And it was fascinating because me and a midwife, um, I think we spoke about 750 parents over the space of COVID online. Mm -hmm. And the one exercise we found was that mums would rather know what's going on with dad rather than dad think or thinking you know, um i give an example this comes up quite often dad doesn't want sex with his partner uh mum's overthinking is it me anyhow done body image just a new baby and mm-hmm. because they're going to communicate uh, when you look at the root of the cause dad doesn't want another baby because he just witnessed his wife go for a horrific birth he's suffering himself with mental health and he doesn't want his wife to be pregnant again you know but mum's overthinking is it me does he love me anymore and you know is he seeing anyone else so, you know, communication is really important for parents, really, to understand mm. and overthinking. Mm. You know, I've, I've overthought a lot of things over the years. But um, I use CBT and mindfulness and different coping skills now um, massively as well. Could you suggest a simple way to get a man in your life talking? We've got a lot yeah. of ladies. We're trying to push the scales more towards yeah. men to the app. We've got a lot of stuff on men's mental health, but we're still quite still thing, female yeah. heavy. So yeah. So I'm I'm um, I do consultancy for Tommy Tippy, and um, <laughs> so there's um, obviously um, I've just done questions for for mums actually to ask me. So that's it's ten things oh. I've only literally just sent it off today. So you know it's things like basically um, you know. Uh, I expect they ask me questions like what is post depression, what's birth trauma, those sorts of things. But also, it's basically side by side. I find that uh, a lot of men can talk better sometimes. Um, certainly, I it was the first time I really opened to another father side by side in the gym. And um, the listening skills, uh, you know, if mum's just listening to this as well, 
you know, is your partner's personality changed around the pet, you know, this time, pet postnatal time or the antenatal time? These could maybe signs to look out for. But it's listening. And I think sometimes it's, you know, it's getting that communication together that's important. Um, and they've dads go range of things like mums are what about social services? You know, they worry about they may have factors in the previous uh relationships you know as well as um you know we haven't even talked today about miscarriages uh mm. and also dads on the neonatal wards i didn't experience that because but i know a lot of friends who've never been asked around that time and also you know domestic violence when you think we know there's high rates of domestic violence in women massively as we know but people are not aware that you know look at the mankind website you know it's something like seven hundred thousand male domestic violence um, victims every year, you know, but then the health is that will ask mum about domestic violence and tell dad to go to the room, but does not start himself if he's experiencing. And you'll find that there is more anger, uh, more domestic, I think it's, you know, it has been more domestic violence during pregnancy at one stage. I think I think it's still high risk now, but um, but when you look at, you know, there's boundaries why it's not giving dad information. I think we've got to look at it, like you said, gender quality, you know, uh, I see it as we've got to ask everyone. And it gets to me sometimes as well. When men say about the biggest killing men under 45 being suicide, okay, we know excellence is so important. I know it is. But what about the 25% of women who die by suicide? And when you look at the Embrace report, there's actually high risk of suicide in new mums as well. Mm. So, you know, we've got to open up a conversation for everyone. Is suicide in mums? as well as that men and men i should say women as well as men and it's domestic violence in men as well as women but it's higher risk higher rates as you know as you know gabby as well mm-hmm. otherwise the, the conversation goes underground and we and men don't feel they can talk about it because they, they don't know any other men either going for domestic violence to give an example as well and it's more stigma come, comes across then as well you know so we gotta have a conversation in schools i think it starts in schools We've got to have a conversation about everything, anything like postnatal depression. You know, it's a good topic to talk about. Actually, postnatal depression, postnatal depression can happen to anyone. Foster parents, it can happen. To, it's, you know, a, a new baby coming along is, is a life changing experience for a lot of people. Mm. Going back to the, the PTSD, I think about not just the birth trauma because we have talked about that but then if a child becomes poorly like really really poorly or is involved in an accident and I thought about two cases in my family where the kid was very young baby and was choking and it was dads that stepped up or reacted quicker and mums were there too but dads jumped to you know solve the situation should we say but one in particular was really triggered by that and kept for months afterwards replaying and replaying and replaying the the thing of what what would have happened if i hadn't have react he was it was what would have happened if uh, it yeah. was that fear of like would anybody else have and yeah i guess i'm i'm just sort of wondering like what your thoughts are there in terms of like once you become a dad, I mean, yeah, we've talked very much about the early days, but it's it's an ongoing thing, isn't oh, it? Ongoing. My son's nineteen uh, now, and uh, next. There's <laughs> a whole and, lot uh, of other issues, oh, I'm sure. Uh, and, 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 as you know, the, the brain rewires in, in, uh, after puberty and up to twenty-seven. They say up to 25, 27. So, you know, it's an ongoing. And you know, I, I got oh, I got an amazing bond with my son, and there's anyone out there suffering as well. Got uh, my wife and myself have suffered, of course. 
my son oh gosh i would say because my son but you know we go out together we go football matches together he's got his own friends i've coached off when with football when i was a football coach mine but um you know oh, he's like my best mate like you know as well as uh oh, he's wow. you know so you know we play darts together we we do a lot you know we're going to manchester next week together because i'm doing some work with best beginnings up and different things so um if there's anyone out there worried about if you're struggling i was going to affect your your baby etc like i said you know gosh my life is so different now and i'm not grateful what i went through but i won't be speaking to you today and and yeah the materials things and all that don't bother me anymore it's it's what we're doing but going back to the question i think like i said fathers uh in generations they i'm going back to my grandmother was in the kitchen unfortunately and my grandfather was down the pet food on the table that sort of mindset you know but fathers given the permission they will step up we know they will step up give them space they will step up and they are you know uh protector you know they for various things as well not just um i look at the father's role and my, and my wife's role as you know we work together and what i'm good at and what she's good at and we bring it together as a parent as well mm. because i'm not you know i'm still making mistakes as a father and that's something to be okay about and, and have a conversation later but Gabby, it's something I want to explain about um, what you mentioned earlier on as well, is when it comes to men and maternity services, you know, working-wise, because um, I'm very much, a, I'm all about, uh, you know, going off the subject a bit, um, that, you know, I'm so glad that women now in Parliament and stuff like that. But um, when it comes to men in, in being a health as a midwives, um, thankfully, you know, there is women now actually, you know, do bricklaying and things. I think men should have an opportunity to actually go into health visiting midwives. But also what I'm afraid of, and I've seen it, is when men do go in those roles, because it's only about 1% or what, 2%, unfortunately, they get promoted quicker than women, which is not fair. So I like to see more men go into maternity service, but also stay in those mm -hmm. roles as a health visitor, you know, and not use it as, as maybe a promotion sometimes as well. And that's something that's come over the years as well. Um, mm. and I meant to give opportunities because, like I said, I speak to 99% of women in my conferences um, and training, and we'd like to see more men in, in those services, maybe. But women are, I give an example as well, with men's groups, and I only say what I see. I worked with one lady in Liverpool, and she was amazing within the dad's groups, absolutely amazing, and some, a lot better than some of the men facilitators. And the idea of the group was really once you get one dad to open up, the other dad will open up, you sit back and they just chat in and they're talking about it and you, and you dip in and out. And that's key how to, how to run a dad's group as well. In my mm. experience, I might be wrong mm. as well, you know. Great points. Okay, final question. I ask every guest at the end of the episode to set the listeners some homework based on the theme of the episode. So in this case, what is a simple, actionable step that we can all take when it comes to supporting the dads in our lives that will help us all on our mission to building a happier life? Uh, yeah, I, I think if, if it's a dad who you feel is struggling, you'll sit down with him and... Uh, talk myself again it's a TEDx talk uh, the importance of father's mental health and you can listen to me on uh, on there and um and have a conversation how do you think I went uh, and a lot of fathers who are gone through it may relate to my own story as well and they may open up as well and I think mums and grandparents need to be educated uh as well as fathers about depression yeah. and uh, birth trauma especially PTSD uh, which sometimes needs totally different treatments as well, like EDMR can be effective for PTSD for 
certainly for my wife it was as well. So she was diagnosed mm -hmm. with severe post depression when she had a break that, uh, in crisis the second time. And they did the timeline of trauma. The biggest uh, trauma that I caused the birth experience, PTSD was actually, which I witnessed as well. So yeah, yeah. education is power, as Nelson Mandela said as well. So <laughs> Well, you're certainly, um, you know, flying the flag left, right and centre. You've written a book as well, which I didn't really get a chance to talk to you about that. Sharing your experience, <laughs> yeah. um, Daddy Blues. So for more yeah. on you, there's the book. It's Amazon Prime. Is a film on Amazon Prime. Watch it. Is the film, yeah. Um, and I got a, me and Jane. Well, we've got two books. We've got an academic book on fathers, fathers and perinatal mental health, and then we've got a, the last one together, supporting parents in the perinatal period with Jessica Kingsley. That's coming out there next year. So you know, um, yeah. if anyone listening, guys, as well, you know, I left school no qualifications, fifteen, and any mums out there suffering uh, who have neurodiversity or anything, honestly. Because low self-esteem and other th factors can kick in uh, being a parent. I, I say to them, look, you know, be the best version you can be. And, you know, and it's okay not to be okay, as everyone says as well. You know, the idea of the books and all that is basically just to get people to realise that dads can suffer as well, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for today. I really appreciate it, especially when it's it's probably for you. It's a, you, it's like if you're Santa Claus and December's the busiest time of year. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know this yeah. is like the busiest time of year for you. So um, thank you for squeezing us in. <laughs> if, if I can give a shout out, like I said, um, if there's anyone in Bristol or Wales, you know, check out uh, Mothers Matter and Mothers for Mothers as well. So uh, I definitely okay. would, uh, if you could check out. And if there's any dads or anyone suffering, uh, I always signpost them to the Have a Hope, which is a chasing a stigma. Uh, it's a database where you can put, put in your postcode and it tells what service is actually in your local area as well. Oh, wow. Okay, we can add that to the show notes too. What's it called again? Uh, have a Hope. Have a Hope, chasing a stigma. H-U-B, Have Hub. Have Okay, hope. got it. Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate it. No worries. And look after yourself as well. Thanks again to Mark Williams and thank you to you for listening to this episode of the Happier Life Project with me, Gabby Sanderson. Now for the important housekeeping. If you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. If you're listening right now on one of the podcast platforms and not on our app, the My Possible Self app is completely free to download, so you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the interviewer, which is me, and the interviewees. The content of this podcast should not be considered as a substitute for professional or medical advice. The primary healthcare are not involved in the production or content of this podcast. Thank you to all those who have left us a review. If you do so have the time, we'd love it if you could give us some feedback, please. And to find and follow us on social media, we are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. So please do take care and I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now. <laughs>